Hello, everyone. This is Matilda, host of Coffee with Matilda Journey to Self podcast. And today I'm with John Freeman again with another episode of Relationship Secrets. And we're going to talk about self-judgment. Hello, John. Hello, Matilda. Nice to be here again. How are you? How's the weather there? Very hot. <laughs> Very hot. Uh, you know, maybe one time we have to explain where you're joining us. Um, I'm, I can certainly uh, uh, share that. I'm in a city called Salisbury, which uh -huh. is a couple of hours west of London in the United Kingdom. Very nice. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, so let's, for, uh, let's, at the beginning, let's start explaining what self-judgment is because it's such a big topic and I think everyone, um, they're dealing with this, even they're aware of it or not. So I think our audience can be, they can benefit from this a lot and we're going to maybe give them some tips to how navigate their self-judgment in a more productive way. <laughs> so, um, what is really self-judgment, John? Well, all judgment is, a, is based on the notion that there is a right way to be and a wrong way to be. Mm -hmm. And self-judgment is when you apply the notion of what is the right way to be or the wrong way to be to yourself. And so most of the time, what we have been kind of taught to do is to have this list. It's, it's, it's like a, a, a checklist or like the thing you get on an exam paper where yeah. you have to tick the right box in order to pass. And the, what are supposed to be the right boxes don't necessarily work for people they're not necessarily aligned to what actually is going to take you where you would choose to go they're not necessarily uh they don't have any awareness of the flow of the energy in you or in the universe they don't have uh, any ability to uh, recognize the fact that what is right for you may not be right for me and a lot of what we have taken on and internalized as what the nature of those tick boxes might be is not even ours. It's something which is handed down to us by culture, by things our parents said, by things that our friends say. I mean, there is a huge list of things which you probably have going on in your head and against which you are making assessments of uh, whether you are right, whether you are adequate. So let's take an example. Um, for me, as a man, if I get, if I look at what's out it out there in the world, what I might see is that somebody like George Clooney is uh, <laughs> rated as attractive. Mm -hmm. right? And, and he is attractive, but he's rated as attractive 
for a variety of reasons, which might include the fact that he's, I don't know, he's, I, I don't even know how tall George Clooney is, but I suspect it's, you know, four or five inches taller than I am. And so I can carry around, and, you know, when I was much younger, I did carry around the judgment that I was too short to be attractive. And I'm not particularly short. I mean, I'm uh, five foot six. I think that's about one meter fifty something. And it's not relevant anyway. Actually, it's yeah. not. It, it's not what determines whether someone else will find me attractive or not. But nevertheless, I can carry that around as a judgment of myself. And so most of us get filled up with those kinds of tick boxes, which if we're not seeming to match up to the tick boxes, then there is apparently something wrong with us. And we make our choices in life based on what the tick boxes say is supposed to be right for us. So at, at 30 years of age, if you haven't got a husband, then you're wrong. Right? <laughs> yes, very true. Women have it a lot. I think in this area, women have more of this tick box than men in a way, uh, especially about the body I, I think image. We've got a, yeah, it's certainly about body image. That's hugely. And I think powerful. that's because of what we watch in magazine. I mean, we watch on TV and movies, magazines. That's how they're advertising that if you want to be a sexy woman or a desirable woman, that's that's the right, I think, expression. Then you need to be in this particular size. I don't know, you should uh, look certain way or you should, your hip size should be this way. I don't know, this, or your breast size should be this way. And I think it's sad, um, especially when I see it in a, I mean, when I was younger, I wasn't maybe realizing that I'm in that stage. But now that I'm more confident about who I am, when I look at young women, like maybe in their late teens, young uh, early 20s the obsession they have towards makeup and how to look good and to do to use push-up rubs because this is sexy and, and it's like sad to see it because they lose their own natural beauty and I tend I mean when I see um, young men I don't feel they have that kind of a body image issue whereas women have I feel more. I don't know. Or maybe I think it's just different. I think it's just yeah. different for men. There's still there's still an image. There's still a perception of kind of mm. how a handsome man should look. There's still a perception of, um, you know, I should have a six pack. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, sh I, sh I should go out and get a. I should go out and get a two to two. You know, there's yeah. a there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. It's maybe not quite as obvious mm -hmm. for men, um, but it's it in a way. You know, these are all, or, or so many of them are fashions of what is right and wrong. If you were to go back, say, to the 1940s, and you look at 
the women who were considered to be attractive and who showed up on films in the 1940s. <laughs> and you compare that with who showed up in the 1990s. And you compare that with the, actually, you know, the trend is already shifting. shifting. Uh, so th this is just, it, it's, I mean, it's all nonsense. I mean, <laughs> True. Uh, it's designed to sell, I don't, it's designed to sell clothes. It's designed to sell makeup. It's something which, people take on as this is how I should see myself and how I compare my myself with others and so that's that's kind of self-judgment and body image but the whole notion of judgment is it, it extends into all the different ways we live our lives and what we believe about what is the way that that I should be living my life, that yeah. all of these things have their lists and tick boxes outside. You know, you, I, I, you may not be in this category, but typically if you're uh, a, a female over 30 and you're not married, there will be someone, your mother or your grandmother, who is yeah. wondering where their grandchildren yeah. are coming from. And so you have somebody else's tick box that you're meant exactly. to align with. And we all carry, we all carry those. Um, yeah. And also coming from uh, American culture, like uh, at certain age, you have to go to college. After that, you need to find a job, a good job, and then buy a house. They get married. You know, it's very, now that I'm looking at with the eyes of your um, explanation, you realize a lot of your life, you're, automatically you're doing things not necessarily because you really want to just because you the society is dictating and you're not even realizing this is not your thoughts this is society's thought this is your parents thought this is the what culture is asking you to do and you're doing it like a very it's interesting That's now my eyes are open up to this concept because before that i wasn't I don't know. I wasn't even the thought process wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, and there's a there's a whole sense of there's this kind of treadmill that once you get on it, you can't get off. And there's a program that you have to follow. I mean, the thing about college. Um, I mean, I have a, a son who is uh, thirty years old, and he finally chose to go to university two years ago and that's because his mother and I always encouraged him to take his time about when is this right for you yeah. when will going to university actually serve your needs and what you want from your life as distinct from what nearly all those of uh, who, who were his contemporaries and you know the, the same age it's like, okay, here's the program. I'm following it. I go to university yeah. next. And for some of them, of course, that would work. And for some of them, it possibly doesn't because they aren't ready to make the choice of, okay, what do I really want to study? What do I want to get out of studying? Who do I want to be in the world? A lot of us aren't at, at all ready at the age of 18 to actually map, map out what that will be. And it's quite possible, of course, especially in these 
days when things are less predictable, less certain, when it's, you really have to be very brave to say you know what life is going to look like in 10 years. So in these days, making choices based on some kind of predictability is of this is what I need to be and this is where I'm going to go. That is not an awareness. It's just a program. Exactly. A program that we are, I mean, from, I think schools teach you that too, to just follow the rules, follow the program and never question that it, this is the right path for me. This is the right thing for me. And it's amazing. I mean, good for your son. And bravo to you and your wife to have that kind of, you know, because I'm sure at the end of, at the end, you'll be very happy because you took certain decisions because it was right time for you. Just the thought of it gives you a lot of satisfaction. Right now, I have to go back to my life path and see what decisions I just made because it was the right thing to do, not necessarily Matilda wanted it. So... I'm sure, you know, I, I will have some regrets maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> but I hope that this will open up my eyes to make certain decisions that will come later on in my life in a right way. And I'm sure I will follow through them better um, because I will know that it serves me better. It serves my soul. So. Yeah. So let's John talk about the opposite of self-judgment. What is exactly the opposite of it? Okay, well, there's kind of two answers I would give to that. One is um, self-acceptance, mm -hmm. but even self-acceptance can have a judgment underneath it. So it can yeah. still be based around. It can still be based around the thought that, okay. Um, I'm short, but I accept that I'm short and I'm comfortable with the fact that I'm short, which is different from having the awareness that my height actually is irrelevant. Mm. So there's, there's kind of different, there's different flavors of, of what you do to come out of self judgment. And so the bigger picture of that is actually living in an awareness of what is and what is possible for you if you had freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to come out of judgment when you're making choices? If you don't have your tick list, by what criteria do you make your choice? And the shift there is to shift into an ability to have an awareness of what will this create? So there's developing a sensitivity to, if I make this choice, how will my life be in two years? You know, if, 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 if I've got this possibility, I might marry somebody. So, you can have all the reasons why you might marry something, somebody because, you know, you, you apparently think the same things or you want the same things out of life or um, they fit all the criteria or you're the right age to get married and you're, you know, you fit everything on the treadmill. But that doesn't necessarily 
amount to the same thing is, okay, if I sense into where my life will be in two years or five years, if I go into a marriage with this person, will it lead to expansion? Can I feel openness and expansion and a sense of um, beingness that is going to take me into something that is more or actually when I look at that do I get a sense of if I feel into to this the walls close in and it's for some reason which I may not be able to articulate the why the, uh, and we think we need to articulate articulate the why when actually the why is not actually useful to us so being willing to get in, in touch, to learn to get in touch with your own awareness of the flows of your energy, the flows of the energy of the other person, the nature of what is coming towards you or you both in the universe. All of that, your sense of, as you say, your soul, what does your soul really want? Will this take you in the direction that your soul would be choosing for you all of those elements can enter your awareness and you can learn to be more sensitive to okay this choice will benefit or this choice won't benefit and to make your choice on that basis and one of the things that will happen when you enter into that way of choosing is that you'll discover that what we're taught is the reverse of what we need. So we're taught that if we, if we judge things, if we make the right decisions, that will lead to the right choices. Mm -hmm. So our, our awareness, our, our thinking awareness leads to choice. Actually, the, the reverse is the truth. When you make a choice, right away, the energy of the world shifts. Right away, there will be something that you can detect, mm -hmm. that you can become aware of what is that choice creating. And that means living in the place where, okay, I've made that choice and over the next minute, day, week, my awareness changes that <clears throat> I no longer have the sense that that is the choice I want to make. And you can change that. When you have making decisions based on criteria which are right and wrong, everything solidifies and it's much more difficult to change a decision because you're locked into it because it fits all the tick boxes. Ah, interesting. Because my understanding of self-acceptance like, is the key to overcome self-esteem. And right, like with the example I gave about body image, for example, body image issues. And then I think when you're able to to more fully accept yourself and your differences, it will come more naturally for even others 
to accept you as well. Do you think there is a there is a correlation there? If you accept yourself fully, people accept you as well. Do you think that's to totally. relevant? I, it, it, it's, it's very relevant and it's quite critical when you're talking about relationships mm. because in, I mean, you know, there, there's a, there's a, such a lot of nonsense in, in this area. If you look at what's happening around you, I mean, I see people out in the world and they're, um, they're plump people, they're skinny people, they're tall, pe tall people, they're short people, they're, I mean, they're all sorts of people and I look at look out there and I see them in couples and they're people who've come together who apparently have you know have decided that they're each attractive to the other and it doesn't fit any of the kind of tick box image images and what you get that relates to your question is that I I make the assumption that anyone who is desiring a relationship wants that relationship to be with somebody who likes them, loves them for who they are, as they are. So you get this weird thing where we go out and, uh, or, or before we go out, we spend a lot of time making ourselves look like what we think we're supposed to look like and not looking like who we are. And when we get out there, we spend a lot of time trying to be who we think we should be rather than who we are. So what's the result of that? You potentially attract somebody on the basis of this complete facade. And then where are you going to go from there? Can you maintain that facade for the next 20, yeah. 30 years? Or, no. you know, are you, or are you going to end up married with some, to, to somebody who actually wants to be with somebody else? They want to be with the person that you pretended to be and not with you. Yeah. So it's <laughs> actually, it's really important that we don't get into the pretending exactly and so for that i think you really need to understand yourself you really need to put the time to understand for example who matilda is what matilda's needs are so i can be first i have to understand those and then become comfortable with those so then i can go outside to the social life and um, find the right partner that can understand who Matilda is really now so that's that's the procedures yes I mean and I, I, I mean I, I don't disagree with what you said but I don't uh, I don't think people necessarily have to work hard at it mm. so w w the work comes in um, kind of choosing not to be somebody who you aren't mm -hmm. and that will take in a, in a way that will take care of itself you don't necessarily have to know a huge amount out of your about yourself you just have to be you just have to be yeah. who you naturally are and stop trying to be something else very nice uh, i mean these are very important points that you're mentioning also i want to see i want to ask you something because i've been thinking about it i mean a couple of days right now 
why accepting ourselves unconditionally is very difficult. And I think mm-hmm. in every culture, I can see this. It's not like, I think every culture deals with this one way or another. Well, every culture has its views of what is right and wrong. Every yeah. culture supplies us with the list of the tick boxes. And then within the culture, our, uh, our parents, our wider families, our School. peer group, the, the media with their advertising. I, I mean, everybody is supplying you with this is the picture of how it's supposed to be to look. Mm-hmm. none of it is real it's all a reality that is being kind of offered to you and maybe some of it will fit you maybe all of it will fit you but it's it's essential i i, I think to kind of have this the ability to sense okay it, well let's start with we we're actually we're all quite psychic we don't believe we're psychic but we live with an awareness of everybody else's thoughts in our heads and so one of the things that you can kind of start to practice with that is when you have a thought you can just ask yourself is this mine and begin to develop a sense of, yeah, actually, there's, there's a lightness about this. It is mine. It does feel true for me. Or there's a kind of, mm, no, it doesn't really feel true for me. And I, have, I just have an awareness, a sense of that. And so wherever that thought came from, if it's not mine, I, I can choose to not go with it. I can choose to give it back to wherever it came from. I can just, I can choose to kind of, okay, I'll, I'll just send it away. So there's a, a process that people can be in as part of developing their awareness where you increase your ability to sense, okay, that's not mine. That's not me. It doesn't truly sit with who I am. It doesn't truly sit with my soul and I have an ability to kind of to sense what that is and it's not it's not in the brain you won't you won't be able it's it's not in a right and wrong and because we're all trained to use our brains all the time and not to use our awareness and our sensing the first place that people go to in is this mine is to kind of, do I think this is right? But it's not that. It's an, in, it's an inner sense of, who am I? How does this sit with me energetically? How does this sit with my soul? How does this sit with my being? That's interesting. Also, I wanted to mention, like, I was thinking yesterday and I was realizing, okay, so... What is, why am I really judging myself? Why can I just accept myself who I am? And I came to this conclusion. I don't know if it's relevant or it's the right way of thinking. Actually, there is no right way or wrong way. So I'm just sharing what I thought. I feel like mm. 
um, sometimes you feel like you must change before you can accept yourself. Because like we believe um, we're giving up control. Like I think another barrier to self-acceptance and perhaps the most difficult one to overcome, I think, is the belief that we are um, exerting some sort of like meaningful control when we fight against something. I think in Western way of thinking, uh, we must fight to conquer. Uh, that's the notion always. Whereas in the Eastern like philosophy or way of living, it's more of going with the flow moving with not against not uh, the resistance you know do you think that's 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 relevant certainly it's relevant um and yes i think you know broadly that the difference that you experience and that you've identified be between uh the kind of the history of how the east thinks or how eastern philosophies work and how the west works that is present um but i'm i'm just put in mind of a, there's a there's a tv series running on in the uk at the moment which is based on a book by vikram Seth called a suitable boy and so it's about it's about an indian family and so in the middle of all their kind of notions of acceptance, you've got a, a mother who is absolutely determined to marry off her daughter, who's in university, wants to stay with developing herself in that way. So I think all cultures, see un underneath the notion of the tick boxes and what the tick boxes are, is an even more fundamental belief that right and wrong actually exists and can be defined. And there's a certain reality to that. You know, if you, if your parents didn't bring you up to know which way to look at the traffic before you cross the road, you might not survive. So <laughs> we, 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 we have to learn certain things that are, you know, this is a good way to do things. This is a, this is a way which is likely to keep me alive and keep me healthy. Those things don't disappear. It's our relationship with them and the nature of what do I recognize as, yeah, this is a good piece of guidance. And this is kind of in harmony with the flow of the universe or the flow of the traffic, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> or, you know, what actually isn't, what isn't in harmony with that flow and so the, you know, the, the kind of the marriage of East and West is actually to blend both parts of that awareness so that we, you know, control doesn't work. Uh, control is an illusion. Um, yeah. But harmonizing with flow, that involves making choices that are based on what's right for me, what's, what serves me in this moment what is going to f to take me towards a, a, a greater future what is going to take me and the world towards greater futures than the ones we have right now so coming back to 
judgment because you know for crossing the street we need to have a kind of a right judgment to look at what side <laughs> let's i mean in again i i was keep thinking oh judging people is wrong but then i realized don't no, judging people it's not wrong i mean it can be very healthy too i judge people and it's a natural and even if i want to put myself in this um oh, I'm very open and accepting people. I judge people constantly. I mean, maybe I'm not judging them what they're wearing. No, even I judge what they're wearing. I judge everything all the time. So it's not, I, I, maybe I put more attention to what I'm thinking. And I realized, even right now I'm talking to, I'm judging certain things. I'm judging to see if you're liking my question or not. You know, there's certain, I think, thought process that it's going um, in my conversation with you. So, I mean, how can people lose this judgment? And this judgment is actually healthy. The same way that you're explaining right now, that you want to cross the street, you need to have the right judgment. Otherwise, you're not going to, you might not survive. Uh, you want to find the right partner. You need to have a certain judgment. You want to buy a dress you need to have the right judgment that what suits your body type, for example, or what color matches you better. Uh, you want to choose your president. You need to have that judgment and go and vote. America, vote, please. <laughs> but um, so how can someone differentiate between a good judgment and a bad judgment? Because we want to try, well, the goal is to eliminate the negative self-judgment that we have towards ourselves. But if we look at it, I think you need to eliminate ju negative judgment towards everything that can release you from self-judgment. This is a tricky one and it's a good question. Um, and so it's in, in my worldview in what I'm suggesting here it's essential to I I use judgment in a particular way as a word mm -hmm. and judgment is a way of making your decisions based on fixed right and wrongs whereas I use something like awareness as a word as something which is different which is a recognition of, okay, what's true for me? It doesn't have to be true for anybody else. It just has to be, this is what I believe will serve me. So I look at, you know, you, you described looking at somebody and what they're wearing. And you may have an awareness that that's not them making the best of themselves. Or you may have an awareness that I really don't like that and I wouldn't wear it. That's, that, the, that's fine. You can own it. You can, you can live in that as a place of saying, okay, I'm going to function from what feels right to me and what serves me. Mm. Judgments tend to be based on a lot of things which are 
much more rigid than than that. I mean, you can go into all the religious systems and you will find lots of things which are this is absolutely right this you know this is the ten commandments this is the holy quran this is whatever you know system people have operated by or grown up with that says that this is right and because it is right it is right for everybody Mm -hmm. and so the distinction that i'm kind trying to encourage is that if you develop the awareness of what feels good to you and what doesn't feel good to you, then you will be drawn to people who you feel good with and who will give you the things you want in your life. And you will be naturally inclined to move away from the people who, who aren't that. And that's just a personal choice when it becomes a judgment is when you say say or when people have the idea that this person because they're not who i am drawn to this is bad or this is wrong whereas it's just we all need to learn to live with who we are and the lives that we're creating for ourselves based on what what makes us feel good and what as I said before, you know, which choices feel like they're going to expand me, which are going to take me where I would like to go in my life. Very nice. So do you think you can give us some tips that we can reduce our self-judgment? A, I think we need to have the awareness to realize, because lots of people don't even realize they have negative self-judgment towards themselves all the time. (laughs) Like it has happened so for them so automatically that they don't even realize that's what they're doing. I think first step is to be aware that we have self-negative talks to ourselves, self-judgments to ourselves. And then what, how can we reduce that to make it positive impact rather than negative impact? Hmm. Well, as, as you kind of, were leading to in the question the first thing is to be aware you're doing it i mean most mm-hmm. of the time what we grow up with is a, a a kind of set of automatic processes habits assumptions train tracks that we're on mm-hmm. that we don't even you know it's like the water the fish swims in mm-hmm. it's just there we have no question about it so the beginning of the process is to actually have the willingness to step a little back from what's going on and begin to ask questions. Actually living in the question is, is really the key to all of this because when you live in the question, you will develop a habit which is always kind of, okay, what now? What next? Mm-hmm. What serves me here? And it takes you away from, you know, it takes you off the train track. There's a lot out there that you could find and that you can do, which is about changing the judgments. And there is useful stuff and you can do that. You can play with that and it may help, but, Actually, 
I tend to lean after after spending decades doing those kinds of things. The thing that I see more and more is that it's much better to simply stop it. Mm-hmm. And the way you stop it is not is not by kind of telling you telling yourself that you were bad for doing it yeah. because that would be another judgment. The way you stop it is by choosing something else. Mm-hmm. So the more you choose in the direction of where you want to go and the more you develop your awareness based on choosing where you want to go, the more those habits will simply, they will die away. And it's not an instant process. It, it, it takes time. It's, it's a journey. It may be a journey that will take you, you know, years or decades or your entire lifetime, but it's a much more fun journey than the one that the train tracks we're on because the train tracks actually kind of rather limit where you can go and what you can see either side. And um, the more you do that, the more you get on that different journey, the more opens up and the easier it gets, the more you're able to see the things that you weren't seeing before, the more your awareness expands and the more your sensitivity expands. And that's, that's really the journey that I'm encouraging people into with everything that I, that I do, everything that I write, everything that I say. Perfect. I'm in the journey with you, John, because you made me realize, you made me open up my eyes to understand um, what are the choices that I'm making in my life? Are they really... Um, my choices or is it automatic and I'm just serving other people's opinion or based on what others are thinking it's right for me so I'm very happy with that (laughs) so John I think we have to wrap up our session and we will get back next week with another topic with audience yes indeed (laughs) well Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you guys next week with a different episode of Relationship Secrets. Thank you, Matilda. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.